Well, um, lots to do tonight. And lots to follow up on from last night because what did we talk about last night before I welcome everybody here on the show? The heat was going to get turned up on Joe Manchin. Well, from the time we got off the air last night, he's now, by the way, a racist and about 900 other things. <laughs> um, and we focused a lot on Mark Robinson. And there's an article, lead article today that I want to get to on him because someone else saw what I saw. So... Bunch of stuff we talked about last night. Uh, we're going to follow up on tonight. But first of all, welcome on in live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, 8 o'clock on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here with the news tonight. Mr. Nolan, how are you? Your Islanders are up 3-2, ready to close it out. You must be in a good mood. Yeah, it's good stuff. They get to go back to the old barn, see if they can close out those dirty Bruins. Okay. It's been a fun time, man. The family loves it. Going to the games, it's uh, good memories. All right, Paul's going to have news tonight. Rick Delgado's here. What even is that tonight? What's coming up in your – first of all, how are you? And what's coming up in your – what even is that? I am doing well, and uh, it has to do with uh, the fast food wars. The fast food wars. Okay. Yes. All right, very good. Kind of a reference to Demolition Man. Rick Amorati's here tonight, looking a little toned down from oh, last yeah. night, but still looking sharp as always. First of all, how are you? What's coming up in sports? I'm good, Big D. What's coming up in sports? Uh, well, we had a sudden passing of a Giants coach uh, earlier today. We unexpected. Uh, also, NBA MVP was announced. An update from the French Open, and we have NBA and NHL playoff action this evening to report on. Okay, very good. Gio Fran here holding it down. Gio, anybody else here that... Um Anybody else in the in the house tonight that I should know? Oh, oh. see, look at this. The birthday. Hey, it's Harry. Hey, yo, how are we doing? Little Harry is. The birthday shout out was so impressive that he ended up coming to the studio tonight. Harry Oates, how are you? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you? How's everybody well, doing? You, you sound like you're um, in an echo in chamber. A, in an echo chamber. <laughs> so, yes, uh, that's better. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Feeling good. Had a great birthday. Had dinner with my daughter, and thank you for the big shout-out. Appreciate it. I figured I wanted to come in and see you guys real quick. Thank you. And then we're off to Dallas tomorrow to Turning Point USA. We'll be on location with uh, Jenna Ellis and Judy Dixon until Sunday. Okay, very good. How's everything at Real America's Voice, I guess, is good? Hold on, I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Oh, I just said... I'll every- answer that for him. He said yes. I said everything good. at Real America's <laughs> Voice is good. You're on the road and doing things and everything is good. Everything's great. No, yeah, we're planning our next bus tour in Michigan, Illinois, and Wisconsin towards the end of the month. And obviously July is a powerful month and we'll be sharing that information in a couple of weeks with you. But no, okay. everything is good, man. Okay, very good. Have you thought about taking uh, live from Studio 6B on the road? Or- I... I- Everybody's talking about it, so we, I think no, you and I have to have a. It's, it's all no one's all right. Yeah, about I got a, I got a call for yes on that one. Outside of this building, no one's talking about it. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I'm talking all the, all the powers to be are talking about. It. <laughs> yeah, to be, not yeah, the powers mean, that are. Everyone <laughs> in this room, baby. That's about it. And, and, yeah, and I, I really think uh, Damon, over a nice cigar and a steak dinner uh, in a couple of weeks, we should plan this this little tour coming out. <laughs> 
I, I emphasize on the cigar and the steak. Yeah, and, I, right? just, I just bought some new cigars. So I, you want to have a meeting about having a meeting? I want to have a meeting about having a meeting yeah. about a meeting on a bus. Okay. Gotcha. In a well, city. Happy birthday. That sounds like two free meals, Gary. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can milk three out of them at least. <laughs> that's, pretty much, that's pretty much the plan. Uh, well, Harry, good to see you. Are you sticking around? Or are you, you Basically, it's like, hello, and I'm out of here. No, I'm going to stick around okay. for the first hour. Okay, I miss you good. guys. I, I want to get a setup to go on the road so I can at least pop in. Okay, very good. Uh, so, I, Harry Oates. See, you walk to the heart. You love that idea. I can All right, Harry, welcome it. back, but that's enough. I got to go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, Red State today has a lead article that caught my attention. It's entitled North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson gave a must hear speech that will set your American soul on fire. That's the title of it. And I could have written that title because. Not so eloquently, that's what I said yesterday, basically, about Mark Robinson, who I just couldn't be. I mean, just what a fantastic speech. It's not the first one we've heard from him. I compared, whether you like it or not, I I compared it to 2004 when the Democrats listened to a a young Barack Obama at the convention. And and all they could talk about was this dynamic, young, uh, up-and-coming speaker that we hadn't heard from, who has just uh, just became a senator from Illinois. And he gave this fiery speech. By the way, a speech that I, if I go back and listen to it, I think he was a lot more hopeful for America than he was when he actually became president, which and then he showed his true colors of actually hating it. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, Mark Robinson is just fan- a fantastic speaker. And again, this speech he gave uh, that I played you a bunch of clips from yesterday, you could just, you could just exactly as the title says, you could just feel his American soul come through this speech. This article says Americans are a country of people that should be proud of who they are, what they've accomplished. And despite what the left may say about you or this country, it's one that not only uh, needs defending, but deserves defending. That was the message from North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson during the North Carolina Republican Party State Convention. It was a speech that went overlooked due to the appearance of former Don, uh, President Donald Trump in his speech, but it's one that deserves to be seen and heard by any Republican and indeed any American who has pride in their country. Robinson delivered his remarks with all the fire of a Southern preacher on a Sunday, but it's not just the delivery. The reminder of who we are is necessary. And gee, do you have that last clip we played last night? Yeah, roll that right now. The greatest example of that I saw and witnessed it firsthand on television was during 9-11. People running away from those burning buildings, running away in horror. We saw policemen and firemen running to those buildings, basically running to their deaths to go help others because they saw trouble and they knew that they were needed. That's got to be us in this day right here. We've got to run to the trouble, folks. And what is the trouble? The trouble is the Biden administration that is seeking to turn this country into a socialist hellhole. The trouble is Antifa that wants to roam the streets and beat you into submission. The trouble is Black Lives Matter that claims to care about the lives of black people but has turned a blind eye why violence in black communities are taking lives at a genocidal rate. They've turned a blind eye. 
that's where the trouble is and that's what we've got to run to. And we've got all the right in the world on our side and there ain't no reason to be afraid and there ain't no reason to not take the challenge dead on because I'm gonna tell you who we come from, folks. We don't come from some weak, jellyback, spineless people. That's not who we come from, none of us. And it doesn't matter what color you are, what nation your folks hail from, how much money you got. We all share the same name, we are Americans. And at Bunker Hill, there was Americans. And at Fredericksburg and Gettysburg, there was Americans. And at Iwo Jima, raising that flag on Sarabachi, it was Americans. And at Porkchop Hill, there was Americans. Quezon, there was Americans. And on 9-11, there was Americans who ran towards those burning buildings. That is who you share your heritage with. You do not share your heritage with a weak and ineffective people who cower at the side of trouble. You share your heritage with a strong and brave people who are determined to hold on to their freedom and for the freedom of future generations. Guys, it's time for us to stand up and be that generation. It's time for us to stand strong and proud and remember who we are, that we are Christians, that we are Americans, that we are Republicans, and that we are conservatives. And as long as we stand as the vanguard of freedom in this nation, freedom will survive here. And not only survive, it will thrive. So guys, it's time to put on our packs. It's time to fix those bayonets. It's time to get ready. Because we got a fight on our hand. And our fight is not for us. It's for all those generations that's going to come behind us. Let's save America, folks. Because if there's to be freedom in this nation in the future, it is only going to become at the behest of the Republican Party. The grand old party, the party of freedom and equality, the one that always has been and the one that always will be. God bless you all. Thank you very much. God bless the great state of North Carolina yeah. and God bless the United States of America. Thank you. Oh, so there you go. I mean, if that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what does. Wow. Go fight. Go fight for uh, generational, what, we, what generations have fought for. Defend this country, defend our freedoms. Support them. Prosper in this country. This country offers opportunities that you can't get anywhere else in this world. And it's a lot of what this country is founded on and what we believe is under full-scale attack. I've told you that now for months. Not that that's any. Not that it takes a genius to figure that out, <laughs> by the way. No, I think we see it every day. We see it every single day. And every day that this Biden administration continues forward, uh, you know, referencing another clip we played yesterday, the the Obama Biden clip, you know, you see, you know, uh, they're they're bragging about it. Biden's going to finish the job. Yeah, yeah. I heard, you know, farther on in that interview, Obama says to the to the podcast host there, whoever it is, oh, the Republicans, you know, they're uh, they're they're too busy worried about critical race theory. As if that's the big, who knew, he says, like in a joking manner. Who knew that was the big threat to democracy? Just very offhanded, like a little good Marxist would do, making it sound like that's just no, no big deal. Right. And um, speaking of critical race theory, just to continue to follow up here, as I have these thoughts in my head of things I've seen today, guess who showed up at another school board meeting about critical race theory and got 
a welcome from the now about 300 parents that were at this one as opposed to the 20 that were at the, the first one. Is that mother I played for you? Nice. Well, they had another school board meeting tonight, and now I follow her on Twitter. She showed up to a rousing standing ovation and about 150 people in the room, and they almost they wouldn't let her in because they said they were at max capacity. She said, I just walked in, so I'm, and she, so she tweeted, I'm in the room. Good for her. And, she, and so there's video from inside the room of her, and she got a standing ovation from all the other parents who were there. And as I said, it was just too bad none of them were there backing her up when she gave that speech, which took a lot of guts, by the way, to the behest of the, uh, the uh, slime on the um, school board who yeah. tried to shut her down. The condescending slime. Yeah, better. Condescending slime is much better. Yeah, but the great result is look how many more people are now showing up. And yeah. now, now they see that, you know what, she's not the only one. There's, there's you know, 150, 200 more people here. And they all feel the same way, and they're staring at us. And it's happening in other places, Loudoun yep. County, Virginia, as well. You have the case of this uh, this teacher, also as well, who's now been reinstated. I believe the story is tonight. That's correct. Um, and in some respects, and again, I don't want to. My fingers are crossed on the Joe Manchin thing, but you know, sometimes it only it only takes one person to stand up. To, 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 to kind of provide cover for someone else to stand up. Yeah, man. And if Joe Manchin holds the line here under the enormous pressure he's going to and is facing, well, then maybe from there someone else says, you know what, I- I'm going to hold the line too. You never know. All right, lots to do. News, sports, what even is that? Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. past the hour things are just off the rails here because harry's here i just I don't, I don't know it just never ends when harry's here he's been in tv his whole life and he does everything anti-television he can walks on the sound stage talks without a microphone interrupts uh, trying to prep see look at him he's, he's getting he's going back and sitting down after he's disrupted us here trying to prepare for the news segment it's getting a Harvey Weinstein He's vibe there. Using yeah. one of my new cops. Harry Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, Harry Bubble Machine Oats. He, he walks around in shorts and sandals. <laughs> it's like he's uh, on vacation. Well, he's a permanent vacation, yeah. So, All right, 17 past the hour. Let's do some news here before we get to – I'm going to spend the third segment, next segment, on the, vice, on the vice president because there's a lot to say. And it's just – you know, I said yesterday, all the world sees – when they look at this administration, is weakness from just from every angle. And um, her performance, I guess it was this morning, I don't know if it was taped this morning or yesterday, but on NBC, it was, I'm not even sure what the word is. Head scratching doesn't really do it justice. I mean, her, resp- her, her response to basic questions from someone who supports her, voted for her, likes her, goes, takes it easy on just throwing up softballs, I mean, she couldn't give a worse answer if it was Tucker Carlson asking her questions. It was just pathetic. 
But we'll get to that in a second, uh, next segment. So let's do some news right now. Paul Nolan, what's going on, Paul? Well, uh, from just the news, this is the lead story there. Georgia poll watches concerns about Biden ballots appearing photocopied led to watchdog inspection. Three poll watches have sworn under penalty of perjury that the ballots look fake. Uh, concerns from a polling manager in Georgia's Fulton County about the unusual uniformity of mail-in ballots and the basis of court-delayed inspection effort that is expected to resume in coming weeks. Polling manager Susie Voyles says that when counting absentee ballots for the 2020 presidential election, thousands of them, perhaps tens of thousands, for then-Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden appeared to have been photocopied. Voyles' observation and similar ones from three, at least three other poll workers prompted them to come forward and swear under the penalty of perjury that the ballots looked fake. Election watchdogs have used their affidavits to help convince state judge to unseal all of the 147 mail-in counted in Fulton and allow closer inspection of the suspicious ballots, uh, Biden ballots for evidence of counterfeiting, according to the Epic Times. So uh, this is more interesting stuff. We see what's going on in Maricopa. So, you know, uh, you know, everyone knows how I feel about you know this election so i won't say it again well this uh, these ballots we heard about these kind of ballots these pristine perfectly folded yeah the same order only one part done uh not right down the line yeah we saw about the guy from you know beth page long island taking a truck with you know all the way to harrisburg pa loaded with ballots i saw phil klein had tweeted something today um because obviously we talked a lot about chain of custody being a disaster all the way from the voter rolls all the way through. And he tweet, Phil Klein tweeted something today about the voter rolls and what a disaster they really still are in most places with thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people on the rolls that shouldn't be there. Um, and I mean, they've done the Amistad Project and Phil uh, Klein and, and Solomon and his team. I mean, they've done just tremendous tremendous work as a matter of fact if we have time i'll get to sophie mann's uh, piece this morning uh speaking about some of the other well i don't want to i guess scenarios is the word about a return of a of a donald trump to politics outside of obviously her fourth scenario which was of course the long game waiting until 2024 what because you're hearing a lot of crazy talk about He's telling certain people he thinks he's going to get back into the office and people believing it. So she laid out a really good piece about a lot of this stuff, which if we have time here, I'll get to. What else, Paul? Well, taxpayers are fleeing California uh, that take $8.8 billion in gross in- income to other states. Uh, California, with a relatively large tax burden compared to other states, has seen taxpayer exodus in recent years, along with it, billions in taxable gross income. State, to t- state migration data recently released by the Internal Revenue Service shows that California lost an estimated 70,000 households or 165,000 taxpayers and their dependents in the years of 2017 and 18, with those fleeing taking around $8.8 billion in net adjusted gross income. And this is then. Imagine where we are at now. Uh, Interstate migration flows are influenced by a number of factors, including retirement, job opportunities, housing costs. Brandon Ristoff, a policy analyst with the California Policy Center, told Center Square that the flight of billions of dollars from California is driven by the state's bad policies on the economy, education, and more. California used to be a place where everybody wanted to live, but now California has been a place where people want to leave. Yeah. 
There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm supporting Meet Kevin for governor of California, as you know. Um, and the taxation in California on everything from obviously corporation taxes, personal taxes, death tax, uh, just every tax you could possibly think of. So I saw something yesterday to register a car uh, in Idaho for two years was $37. In California, it's six hundred and seventy dollars. What? What? To register your car? Six hundred. What a scam! And seventy dollars. Gas is approaching. I think about six dollars a gallon there. Um, the homelessness problem in California is beyond description, unless you see it with your own eyes. First time I went to California, I couldn't believe it. I, I said, "Wait a minute! Did, did we take a flight to Iraq or to California?" Because uh, I can't tell the difference here in this drive that we're taking. Until you finally get to specific little parts where all of a sudden it's what you normally see on these TV shows. But it's not, it's not at all like that. I mean, it's just, a, it, and as I've said, as like a broken record, it, you would think people in California, the number one viewing audience of this show, so you know it's not that there's no conservatives there, Republicans there, people with common sense there. There are a lot of them. You would think they want better representation of them in their state than what they're getting. And the, the, the shape that the state is in. I mean, it's... This guy for 17 years has been the worst... Well, it's hard to say this. Close to the worst governor you could possibly have. Which is why, hopefully, this recall happens and gets somebody with some business knowledge and some just some common sense in there. That's why I support this guy. I read his 20-point plan. I don't think I agree with all of it. But it's got common sense. Yeah, the, the one problem, though, is the rest of the state is run by Democrats. So he could have the greatest policies in the world. They're not going to enact them if, they, if it falls out of, out of what they want to do. And that's the problem with California. It's, all de- it's just like New York now. It's all democratically controlled. So no matter who goes in there, even if it was a hardcore Republican, it's like, this is it. Here's where we're going. Conservative values. We're going to do these policies. He's never going to get anything passed because they won't let it. They won't let it happen. I still find it really curious that the rallies in California were enormous. Yeah. I mean, enormous amounts of hundreds of thousands of people rallying for Trump. And that was a red state for a long time. And then for it to be completely flipped so um, unanimously well, a, seems a little bit. I mean, it's a state of 40 million people, though. So, I, I mean, to get a couple hundred, you know, 10,000 at a rally is not. No, but I get that. But there are so many red counties all up and down, you know, anywhere yeah. out of San Fran and out of L.A. It's there's so much red. You know, and these people have, you know, don't get to express their voices. And we saw how many of those big, giant ballot collection centers they had and people were emptying them after the elections. You know, there was so much. I don't know. You, I, I don't trust any of it anymore. I just don't trust the, the process anymore. I mean, yeah, I saw it I mean who does? To, I mean, I mean, when you, when you look at the people they spit out of there, Pelosi. You can't Ted tell Lou. me Pelosi wins every year, right? How it, is this you know what? The, it, oh, wait. <laughs> come on, Swalwell, just take a Pelosi, look at California. Harris, audit California. Gavin Newsom is a, Newsom, is a the buffoon. Governor, Barbara Boxer, back. I mean, you could go through. So this is what I said. Just how, aud- how can this be the representation California wants? Just uh, audit California. Uh, look, let's be honest. I mean, there's been talk about election rigging throughout the world forever, right? Everywhere people in power want to stay in power. Are we really that naive to think it can't happen today? No, I don't think anyone. Well, yes, there are, but not we're not.
live, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Tuesday, June 8th. It's only June 8th. That's what I hear. Um, only? That's that's supposedly what the word on the street is, that it's only June 8th. And here I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's already June 8th? Holy cow, the month's almost over. Well, that's not what someone else said. <laughs> Let's see what context they're talking about. Roll it, G. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> so we have uh, two very special guests uh, with us again today. Uh, I'm just going to let you all settle in here. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. Those are real, by the way. Those numbers. MasterCard pledged to make a $1.3 billion contribution to help make critical progress in providing vaccines to people across Africa. Uh, which vaccines? Uh, they're providing funding, a contribution of funding uh, to to uh, ensure that these uh, vaccines are um, are provided to Africa. I don't have the... Whichever vaccines they take. Uh, it's, again, funding to the Africa CDC version of the CDC, so uh, it will be distributed through there. Um, as, since you asked about the president engagement, he's also going to stay closely engaged with Democratic leadership. doesn't seem that he's willing to come down any further, so are we at an impasse here? We certainly don't see it that way. Uh, the president has come down by about a trillion dollars. That's quite a bit. And but we do remain committed to uh, ensuring that we meet our commitment. But I don't have anything to read out for you. Um, I, I, I don't have anything to read out for you. Uh, I don't have anything to preview for you at this moment. Has he ever spoken to him in his life? Um, uh, How has he uh, been getting ready for this upcoming? Well, first, I will say that he's been getting ready for 50 years. Um, he has been on the world stage. He's known a number of these leaders for decades, uh, including President Putin. Uh, but uh, again, he's uh, he's got quite a, uh, a a several decades of experience to build on here. So um, the president has a benefit of 36 years in the Senate, where he has seen that the sausage making is messy. It takes time. There are ups and downs in the roller coaster. We're right in the middle of the sausage making right now. Um, Republicans and conservatives are, you know, going crazy on Twitter, sending pictures, sending video of her interview with Lester Holtz, you know, saying, I'm not, you know, I've not been to Europe either. Don't they have a point that if she has this task in front of her, sh should she not see the... the the end cause as well as the root cause of, of well, migration. Well, first, as I said to Peter, at some point she may go to the border. I don't have any trips to preview for you or predict or timeline for that. They have regular lunches. They engage. She's the oh. first in the room and the last in the room. Oh. And she's going to not d hesitate either, not delay either, I should say. When she comes back from her trip, I, I don't have anything more from the federal government on the leak, on the outage. I expect we'll have more in the coming days, Josh. So stay tuned. Um, we're not taking advice from former President Trump or most of the Republicans who are criticizing us on this, given they were all sitting there while we created this problem we walked into. I'm not going to outline any more specific details. I mean, it's not part of what you're negotiating right now with Republicans. No, that's not what I said. I'm not, I don't have any more details to outline for you. It's a really interesting question. I, I didn't know much about it before you asked this question, so I'll probably have to talk to our national security team. Everybody <laughs> wants it to go faster. Everybody wants, in this administration, everybody wants these kids to be reunified with their family members. You don't know if 
the administration is aware of where these children are. That's not what I said. What I said was the Department of Homeland Security oversees the task force, and I would certainly point you to them to give you more of a clear definition. Uh, we're going to barber shops. We're working with, uh, you know, donuts and beer and all sorts of incentives to get young people and people vaccinated who have been either hesitant, resistant, or just didn't want to take the step to get vaccinated. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much. Look forward to, I guess, I won't see you for a while. It's only June 8th. <laughs> that was the best part. That was the best part of the whole thing. It's only June 8th. Holy cow. Oh, my good. God. What does she do all day? Nothing. To prep for these. She knows nothing. Yeah. She has no answers to any questions. She's, she's like the female Fauci. She she can't lose it. She she can be wrong. She can be right. Doesn't matter. What time does she do the briefing, G? Every day? Do you know? Is it's it like typically seven a.m.? Typically between like one and three. What does she do from seven to one? Zip. How does she have no answers? I I, I how does she have no answers? Maybe she's really good at Candy Crush. She's just yeah. playing all day. Like, how can she do nothing ever? <laughs> she never. <laughs> Let me get back any, to you on that. Every I'm gonna, day. Yeah. It's. I want this job. I'll do it for half of what she's doing it for. <laughs> and I'm just gonna be like, interesting question. <laughs> that was. Except brilliant. that there's an island again. I would like. <laughs> yeah, of course. Let's stop being. You know. You know. Let me get back to that. Oh, yeah. Let me talk to that CDC director. Yeah. I'll have to there. point you in this direction. I'll have right. to point you in that direction. Well, you know, we just got to uh, do a little research on that. Get back to you. Well, I'd love to see the follow-ups on all of her. <laughs> you know, somebody should be like, all right, you said you'd get back to me on this, 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 that, that, this, and that. Even the Where girl, do you stand? Even the girl from CBS in the front row there, Lee, Lee, Lee Wang, I think her name is. She says, you don't know where the kids, like the way she said it was like, are you kidding exactly. me? Like even the CBS reporters are saying, looking at her, going, "Really?" I mean, it's. By the way, to listen to her say, "Oh, he, Joe," jo- I, I cannot see how Joe Biden in his current state going overseas for a month is not going to be. I, I mean, it's just going to be one huge crazy town disaster of a trip yeah it's going to be more like disgraceful town these leaders seeing the cognitive decline in this man from the from as she says he's got 30s no no they haven't seen this joe biden he was dumb enough when he had it together when he was traveling as vice president yeah that's we're a long way from that now to go on to the to go on the world stage now as the president with the time change and the and the the pressure of it all, meeting uh, with Putin, with all of what's going on here. He's, having, he's getting him and his administration getting slapped around from China and everybody else. Just total weakness. And we're supposed to think that he's just, oh, he, he's, oh, he's so prepared to go because he's been 36 years he's been preparing. Yeah, he's got it 50. together. Yeah, right. Didn't she say 50 years he's been preparing? Yeah, well, 36 in the same. I mean, just right. whatever. The, it doesn't matter. It could be 150 years. Yeah. This, this version of Joe Biden is not ready to be on the stage. It would be my guess. Did you hear anything about Putin was gonna was uh, actually gonna make a formal complaint to 
Biden about human right abuses that they have people who were in the Capitol building in prison unlawfully for yes. six months. He's going to he's going to make a, an international complaint about human rights and civil rights abuses against Biden. That's yeah. funny. I'd love to see that happen. Amazing. And, and, and he's going for a month. He's going for a month. I believe that's what they said. A am, month. am I wrong about that? No, I, I, that's the first time I'm hearing it. Or maybe when you said it, it's a month. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I can thought we, I heard someone say he's gone for a month. Can we have... Um, and here's the scariest part of all. The, the, during the day today, I actually said to myself, I swear to God I said this. I said, I really hope Joe Biden is more together than we think he is because what's waiting in the wings to take over, if God forbid something happens to him, gets scarier by the second gets scarier by the second could you imagine kamala in a meeting with a world leader and that nervous twitchy laugh that oh he's only gone for eight days okay so it's not a month so i which is like a month you know what to him it's gonna feel like a month my screw i thought i heard 30 days which i thought 30 days i mean all right, so let's talk about what Paul's talking about and what I'm talking about because this is – so let's just start from 16, G. This is, this is the vice president um, greeting the Mexican – now, meanwhile, I told you the clip I saw yesterday of, of the press conference where she's – now, she's fully vaccinated, has been for a while. Here she is oh. greeting – here she is greeting the um, Mexican president. Roll that. Good now stop it. Now, he's fully vaccinated as well, I believe I read. Now, look at the picture. Theater. It's just weakness everywhere you look with these two. Why is she masked? Why? Because she's a coward? It's the theater. It's the Fauci theater. You know? Play it up. Theater. Just Go ahead. Play it up. Very good to see you. I'm very happy to be here. So, um, so she wears the mask. He's not. They're both fully vaccinated. She again. It's just theater, or it's just. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure what it is. It's just weakness, or it's theater, or it's both. And either way, it's pathetic. It's just pathetic. So let's get to today because this is the clip that everyone's talking about and everybody's seen. So she goes on NMS, uh no, and actually she goes on NBC with Lester Holt, I believe. And the, the question of the border comes up. And of course, I played for you about two weeks ago. Maybe it was a crazy town. Joe Biden on the original day. Oh, it was when the media was trying to spin for her because she was trying to kind of distance herself from the idea that. He said she's the smartest person to take this on. She's going to oversee the whole thing. And then her own office came out and said she's overseeing two parts of it. And then you've got media types going on CNN going, well, no, she was never supposed to do this, only this, or not this and only that. Meanwhile, her office said from the get-go she was tackling both at the border and the systemic problems of why this is happening. Right. So she goes on with Lester Holt, and here's how it goes. Roll 17. Okay. Do you have any plans? to visit the border. I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So <sighs> this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. Cynthia, speak. I, and I haven't been to Europe. 
And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the I point understand. that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance of the border. Well, I, I, okay. I, mean, okay. I stop, 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 stop. See the stop, nervous, stop, stop, disingenuous stop, stop. BS there? She is just a flat out, to liar. the core, liar. liar. I don't understand the point. Yeah, okay. You're, if you don't right, if you don't understand the point, you're not fit for this job. Right, exactly. We have much bigger problems if you don't understand the point of this softball question from somebody who voted for you, probably most likely. Stumped, stumped for you. And and her arrogance of we've been to the, well, who's the we of we've been to the border? Right. What the administration has sent people to the border? Who's been to the border? We've seen Ted Cruz at the border with the with the girl trying to block his camera, telling him, please show respect, please show respect, over and over. Who's been to the border? Have we seen a video of Joe Biden at the border? We've seen no video of her at the border. We've seen video of Republicans down at the border. She's never... And then her, for her answer to be, well, I've never... Well, the border we're talking about is the one down in our southern border, Texas... Not in Europe. I, I've never been to Europe either. What does that mean? That's her attempt at being clever. Right. And being dismissive. And, and Arrogant. Th- the aloof, fact that she doesn't have an answer. The fact that she doesn't have an answer after one week after they took office, it became a crisis and they knew it. And it's been a crisis ever since. And she still is not smart enough or just honest enough to have an answer. Yeah, is you, you stunning were tasked. You were tasked with figuring out the root problem of this and going to the border to figure out the problem. I don't understand the point, Lester. All right, more on this when we get back. to the hour live from studio 6p on a tuesday night more news coming up what even is that at the top of the hour but right now it's time for sports and here with that is rick emirati find him on twitter at slick rick sports What's going on, pal? Hey, Big D. Well, playoffs abound right now. We got the 76s and the Hawks. Sixes are up 51 to 40 in the Wells Fargo Center. Game two, Sixes looking to get even after a beatdown from the Hawks on Sunday. Uh, right now, Danilo Gallinari has 12 for the Hawks and Tobias Harris, 18 points for the Sixes. There's about four minutes to go in the second quarter. Again, Sixes up 51 40. And later tonight, the Clippers travel to, New- to take on the Jazz in Salt Lake City at the Vivint Arena. That's a 10 p.m. tip. Uh, Clippers coming off a big Game 7 win against Dallas on Sunday and uh, taking on uh, the number one seeded Jazz. We also have NHL action right now. Playoffs PNC Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina. I guess uh, the Hurricanes better get going. They're losing one nothing and trail the series 3-1 to midway through the third period. Lightning are right now the defending Stanley Cup champions blanking them and looking to put an end to it. So I know my uh, Carolina Hurricane fans have been very quiet the last couple of nights. So let's hope they can come back and make a series of that. And also going on later on tonight, out at the Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado, the Golden Knights take on the Red Hot 
Avalanche, uh, the Avalanche, are unbelievable how they're playing this season. That game is at nine with nine uh, nine o'clock. Uh, puck drop series is tied two two. I'll tell you so. what, they're lucky for it to be two two. Vegas is engulfing them. They outside of that first game, this Vegas should have won the you know the, the second one, and they killed them the next two. Yeah, Colorado is just yeah. I, they, that, they really started out strong, and then. Yep. Yeah, well, that 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 series is fun though. That those are two tough teams. I yeah. mean, like not tough physically, but like just good skill everywhere. That's a great series. Uh, Major League Baseball right now, top of the fourth, Dodgers and Pirates, zip zip. Bottom of the second, uh, Orioles four two over the Mets. Top of the third right now, Braves two nothing over the Phillies. Bottom fourth, Reds and Brewers tied at one in Cincy. Bottom of the fifth, Marlins over the Rockies four to two. Top of the fifth, Nationals and Rays tied at one. Bottom fourth, Astros all over the Red Sox seven nothing in Fenway. Top of the third, Tigers over the Mariners four to one. Bottom second, Giants and Rangers tied at one. Top second, Blue Jays and White Sox zip zip. Top Top of the second, Twins in Minnesota over the Yankees, 2-0. Bottom of the second, Indians, 2-0 over the Cardinals. We have the Royals at the Angels, Diamondbacks at the Athletics, and Cubs out in San Diego. All those games are between 9-40 and 10-10, first pitch. And Giants mourn passing of former coach Jim Fossil. This is from Michael Eisen, Giants.com, senior writer-editor. East Rutherford, New Jersey. Jim Fossil, who led the Giants to three playoff berths in a Super Bowl and mentored some of the franchise's greatest players in his seven seasons as a team coach, has passed away. He was 71. According to numerous reports, Fossil, who lived outside of Las Vegas, was taken to a hospital with chest pains and died of a heart attack while under sedation. Fossil coached the Giants from 97 to 2003. His 58 career regular season victories are the fourth highest total among the 19 coaches in the 96-year history of the franchise. He was named NFL Coach of the Year after his first season. Fossil coached some of the most prominent and greatest players in Giants history, including Hall of Fame defensive end Michael Strahan, who I heard was absolutely shocked when he was told earlier this evening. Uh, the franchise leaders in rushing yards, Tiki Barber, and receptions, Amani Tuma, and five-time Pro Bowl linebacker Jesse Armstead. Fossil's Regular season record was 58, 53, and 1, 522 percentage, and 2 and 3 in the postseason. On December 17, 2003, with two, with two games remaining in what would become a 4 and 12 year, Fossil announced he would resign after the season, knowing we'd almost certainly have been fired and he, had he had not been proactive. So, uh, anyway, sorry to see Jim Fossil, 71 years old, young man, pass away like that. And uh, heading over to the French Open. Uh, Stefano Tsitsipas and Alex Zverev win quarterfinal matches at the French Open. ESPN News Services report. Paris, Stefano Tsitsipas has reached the French Open semifinals for the second year in a row. The number five seeded Tsitsipas beat number two, Daniil Medvedev, 6-3, 7-6, 7-5 in court Philippe Chartrier uh, last night. Uh, the 22-year-old from Greece moved into his fourth Grand Slam semifinal. He's 0-3 so far, including uh, a loss at Roland Garros to Novak Jovic. Djokovic in 2020. Tsitsipas will face number six Alexander Zverev on Friday for a berth in the final. And Tamara Zidanesk uh, wins quarterfinal match and French Open. First Slovenian woman to reach Grand Slam's fi- semifinal ever. Uh, Paris, before the French Open, Tamara Zidanesk uh, had never advanced past the second round at any Grand Slam. Spurred on by the vocal support of her coaching team, on court Philippe Chartrier, the 85th ranked Zidanesk uh, defeated Spanish rival Paula Badosa, 7 5 4 6 8 6. Yeah, I got a, f- a lot of fun with those names. <laughs> How about this one? So, Zizanex's next opponent <laughs> at the clay court event will be Anastasia Pavlia U. 
Shankova, another first-time semifinalist. Man, wee wee, wee wee, Mezua. Could you pick when we know the we could pronounce the names of people? Yeah. Well, let's keep it rolling. <laughs> Nuggets, Nikolai Jokic to be named 2020 NBA MVP per report. Jokic is the first. Second round pick to win MVP from Sam Quinn of CBS Sports. Jokic became uh, the first player in NBA history this season to average at least 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists on better than 52% shooting. He made 56.6% of his field goals, dwarfing those who approach uh, his raw numbers. His 8.3 persists per game just barely missed. Get this one. Will Chamberlain's record of 8.6 for most assists by his center in a season. And he became only 3 pointers away and 13 free throws away from becoming the first center to ever join the 50, 40, and 90 club. He did all of it without missing a single regular season game. So that's the difference. Joel Embiid was in the running. He had actually more points per game and, uh, you know, was just as dominant in his own right. But, you know, he didn't. He missed probably 30% of the Sixers games this year. And, you know, Jokic is a great player. Seems he like he might it. be missing 30% of his shots tonight since it's at the half now and your team is only up two. <laughs> and they, you know what's funny? They were up 20 to four in the first. Yeah. They were up 51 to 40. And Doc Rivers keeps going to a very, very suspect bench. And that mm. bench is going to be the death against them and the Nets, unfortunately. No, 57 mm. 55 at the half. So I hate to break it to you. But yeah. anything else in sports, right? Just one more. Aaron Rodgers begins holdout. This is originally posted on Pro Football Rumors. This is from Zachary Lynx. As expected, Aaron Rodgers did not report for the start of Packers minicamp today. He's now officially holding out as the saga continues between him and Brian Gutenkunst's led front office. Uh, Rodgers has already passed on 500,000 of bonuses by missing the team's voluntary work. Now he could potentially lose 93,000 for each day of the three-day minicamp. However, the Packers are thinking about waiving the fines in an effort to smooth things over with their franchise star. (laughs) Really? Of course they are. Yeah, anyway. This is a whole bunch of nothing, as I keep saying. Yeah, this is a lot of posturing. He will be under center for game one. That's all Green Bay has to worry about. Doesn't matter what happens between now and then. On September 8th or whatever the date is, the 11th, 12th, whatever it is, He's going to say hike on the first play of the game, and that's all that matters. Yeah, you're not rolling with Jordan Love or Blake Bortles? (laughs) Definitely not. Yeah. And that's a wrap, Big D. All right, very good, Rick. Thanks. Um, anything quick in news, Paul? Should I talk about some entertainment news about this nut army hammer? I, what? I, I don't can't know. get over. I don't, I'm not a Hollywood guy. Like I don't watch anything anymore. I've kind of given up with all of it. But this story was popped up in the post. Army Hammer goes to rehab. The who, is, actor, who is he? First of all, Army Hammer's been in uh, like a bunch of big budget He's movies for a while. He's a f- yeah. famous actor and. Oh, not okay. him. But just Got another, that. just another Hollywood creep. So I'll just give you the the headline, and then I'm gonna move on from it because it's disgusting. The story. Army Hammer goes to. Oh, wait, wait a second. <laughs> if that's the setup, if that's the setup, why even give us the headline? Well, because it's fun. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Hammer time. <laughs> Hammer time. Here we go. I just wanted to get through some quick. All right, I can do Josh Bailey of the New no, York no, no, Islanders. No, no, you're starting to hear the headline now. I got to tell us. He goes you won't to get rehab. Anything if you don't do it now. Wait, what's that? What's the headline? Uh, Actor checks into treatment program for drug, alcohol, and sex issues amid cannibalism scandal and accusations accusations of rape. I mean, this is, I mean, cannibalism and rape. I mean, those are terrible. I mean, I don't know nothing. I mean, rape and cannibalism? (laughs) You go to rehab for cannibalism? And that's a wrap on hour one. We'll be back with hour two. I'll do entertainment news for now. Four minutes.
Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, hour two. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to have more news. Rick Delgado's going to have what even is that coming up here in a second. Rick Amorati will have sports. Geo Fran holding it down. Harry was here for hour one. Harry's on his way to Dallas with Real America's Voice tomorrow. Are you? you can you still talk to me, Harry? Yeah, I can still talk. So you're going to Dallas tomorrow for what exactly? Turning Point USA. Uh, young Charlie Kirk's deal. Summit. Yeah, Charlie. He Kirk. just got married, you know. He did. I know. I yeah. know. He just got married. In fact. Charlie's going to be obviously there. You know, I guess he's going to be spending his honeymoon. It's at the Gaylord Dallas, so it's it's a pretty nice hotel. That's the same place we used to stay at CPAC in uh, yep. D.C. Absolutely. Nice place. And then uh, on Saturday, Real America's Voice is also Ben Berkwam is going to be with uh, Mike Lindell at the Frank Conference. So Charlie is going to jet over to there, do that conference, and then come back to Turning Point. So it's, it's going to be an interesting weekend. We've got a okay. lot of coverage going on. Okay, very good. So anything else going on in your life, Harry, that you want to discuss or with Real America's Voice? Or how's my friend John Solomon? Well, my friend, I don't know if he thinks that, but how's John Solomon doing? John Solomon's doing great. I mean, I haven't been up in D.C. in a few weeks, but overall, John's doing great. He's preparing for his new show, uh, which is going to be coming out, I I would say, within the next 60 days, which is kind of exciting. Oh, You're you're not breaking some news here that you're not supposed to, are you, Harry? I don't know, but if I did... Well, it's too late now. It's too late right now. It's too late now. Sorry. Okay. But, um, you know, so the overall... Now, will he be doing a sitcom? Or is he going to do a news show? Because I heard he was a jack-of-all-trades, John Solomon. Very talented man. He's a triple threat. He can hey, sing, he can dance, he can act, he can do it all. He, 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 let me tell you something. You know, spending almost a year with John, and obviously, Damon, you came up there for those few days. He is he is a great, great guy, an unbelievable investigative reporter. Mm, really digs into his stuff. And, and overall, guys, and I keep telling you this, and I've told Damon this, and I'm glad he heard it, John loves the show. John loves you guys. I mean, he he's a, he's a, he watches it on a, on a daily basis. He seems like the salt of the earth. He really seems like the kind of guy you can hang out with and just drink a few beers with, watch a game with, and just be – he seems like a regular guy. Nicest guy in the world. Hard worker. I mean, he's yeah. he starts at his house early in the morning doing live hits with us and the other networks. And then obviously, I mean – He's leaving the office when we're leaving after Jenna's show, 8 o'clock at night. It's a long day for him. Yeah. All right, Harry. Well, uh, safe travels, and good luck, and uh, say say hi to everybody at Turning Point USA. I will. uh, We'll see you next week when you get back. Uh, Yeah, I'll be back Sunday, so hopefully I'll be here Monday, Tuesday next week back on the show, and we'll, uh, like I said, we'll do some creative thinking. Okay, very good. Uh, Really on the edge of my seat for that. All right, very good. Um, (laughs) It's time now for one of my (laughs) – Harry's like, you know, 13 years is enough with this guy, whatever it is. Just get him the hell out of here. Um, All right, it's time now for one of my new favorite segments here on the show, and that, of course, is Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? 
All right. Well, thank you, Damon. And, uh, you know, with all the crazy stuff that's been going on today, it's starting to look like we really could be barreling towards a demolition man scenario if the latest beef is any indication. We, we need to start to forget about the North Koreas, the Chinas, or Iran, and focus on the war that's right here at home. Mm. What am I talking about, you ask? Yes. Well, check out this headline. Look at this. That's right. Burger King is going after Chick-fil-A with a gay pride promotion. And now I'm not sure if Taco Bell is going to be ending up really winning those fast food wars or not. Look, I know, I know. This is the latest absurdity that we are now basically one step closer to, as Paul would like to say, launching ourselves out of a window in Russia. Um, <laughs> really, seriously, with, with this fast food stuff, what even is that? Really? Yeah, why is, is this, why is is this, this? even an issue? Yeah. Why is this happening? Well, let's check the article, shall we, and see for ourselves. Seems that Burger King is attempting to capitalize on the social media boycott of Chick-fil-A. Um, is there a social media boycott of Chick-fil-A? I, I don't know if there is. I don't think they told anyone, but whatever. We'll continue um, with the article. And it says here, by offering a Pride Month promotion to donate, check this out, 40 cents from every chicken sandwich sold this month, even on Sundays. 40 cents. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, a whole 40 cents. Woo. Geez, that's pretty low. Why just 40 cents? Why not 50? Why not a dollar? Hey, why not make it a $2 bill? Yeah. I don't know, but there's, let's continue with the article. Where's the jab at Chick-fil-A that they were talking about? Um, Let's see. Let's read on. Here's the next screenshot. It says here that even on Sunday's comment is a shot at Chick-fil-A's religious-based closures of its fast food restaurants, according to the USA Today. Ah, so there it is. Wow. What a zinger you got there, Burger King. That was awesome. <laughs> hmm. That makes me wonder. So Burger King thinks that if they attack someone's faith and religion, hmm, somehow... That could equate to a winning marketing strategy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Oh, but wait. They weren't done. There's more. Of course there's more. There's always more. A Burger King spokesperson also emailed USA Today with this comment so they could add it to the story. Check this out. It says, this is a community we love dearly and have proudly supported over the years. So we couldn't miss an opportunity to take action and help shine a light on an important conversation happening. That begs the question, what important conversation are they talking about? Really? Uh, who knows? But I do know that if the powers of be at uh, Burger King think that this is going to be a positive for them, let me remind them that they probably never have ever seen this at a Burger King at any time. Or people camping out for waffle fries. At any time. Or the local news having to use their traffic helicopter to give you the story of a new location opening up while people sitting in line for hours just to get their mouths around a chicken sandwich. But I think <laughs> this story starts to gain some steam. And, and I'm, I'm not saying I want this, uh, this segment to go viral. No, I'm not saying that even after we post it. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, and I'm not saying that you should, you know, maybe make your voices heard on their toll-free number. <laughs> I'm not saying that, that you might see right there. And I'll even give you a moment, if you'd like, Eight, to six, write it six, down. But, but I'm not saying eight, that. But this... Nine, I wonder, 
I wonder this. I wonder if the shareholders who, I don't know, the corporate marketing people are beholden to for the health and welfare of the company, as well as, you know, the stock price and the franchise owners. I wonder, I wonder how they feel about you, the Burger King marketing team, using the Burger King good name and brand to attack the faith and religion of, well, let's say most of their com- customers and potential customers right here in this country. Yeah. That might be as important conversation that they're talking about. I don't know. It could be in your future. We'll see. But as for this fast food war, um, as Americans, hey, we've always had a problem with monarchies and kings, right? It's kind of in our DNA. (laughs) Yeah. But in my opinion, I think when it comes to food quality, customer loyalty, and a true dedication to American values, American culture, and the American people, it's easy to see that this king... Is this chick right here? <laughs> now, no. go away. Because I'm about to eat my Chick-fil-A. There you go. Very good. Nicely so done. Good. Nicely done. Love the Chick-fil-A. It's crazy. Every time yeah. someone I mean, gets woke, The whole man. idea of some kind of a... Um, something happening. <laughs> just drive by a Chick-fil-A. You could drive by a Chick-fil-A. And I, I, Any time of the day. I know Anytime. somebody who owns two of them right here on Long Island, a brand new one that just went up. And I can tell you, uh, there's no marketing working against them that's actually working because you could drive by at any single time on any single day. And whatever, wherever they put the location, there's not enough space for the cars to get around. The traffic is horrible. You can't get in and out. It's just unbelievable. And yeah. by the way, I never remember driving up to a Chick-fil-A and, and, and them asking me, um, by the way, what my sexual preference is. No. I just order the food and they give it to me and it's good. Right. Yeah. So that's my, that's my, that's my experience at Chick-fil-A. So since Chick-fil-A is so hard to get, I'm assuming Rick brought enough for everybody. Oh, of course not. What, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's just mine. Um... <laughs> Well, comparing Chick-fil-A and Burger King, I mean, please, come on. Yeah, it's not even close. It's not, <laughs> oh, it's not, not even close. close. It's not even close. As, <laughs> Listen, you know, we it? all know McDonald's and Burger King. It's the same garbage, right? I, I decided for a goof one summer to take a burger, fries, and a milkshake, and I left them on a shelf in my garage. And I took a picture of it once a month, and a year later, there was not one difference in it. It looked exactly the same a year later. No joke. No bugs ate it. No, no <laughs> decaying. No mold. Nothing. True story. It's all the salt. It's essentially jerky in different forms. <laughs> the bread too. The, bre- the bread too. The, it's oh yeah, it's, it's a very high sodium that bread. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I mean, I, there's just no comparison in the two, and it's just like you said. If the, if this is the if the marketing department over there is thinking, hey, I got a good idea. I mean, come on. Yeah. Stupid. I mean, who this. comes up with that? Yeah, the woke staff. Yeah, exactly right. Um, all right, very good, Rick. Uh, so let's get back to before we get back to some news uh, in the three minutes here. Let's get back to that clip, G. Seventeen. This disgraceful performance by the vice president. Let's let's no. Let's hear the whole clip from the beginning. Let's let it roll this time. Okay. Do you have any plans? To visit the border at some point, you know, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. She's saying it. And I haven't been to Europe. 
And I, I, mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance of the border. Well, I, I mentioned it because I, even I, I know Republicans have certainly come at you on this, but Democratic Congressman Cuellar has a border district has said to the, you and the president, "Come, you need, I care you need to see about this." Listen, I care about what's happening at the border. I'm in Guatemala because my focus is dealing with the root causes of migration. There may be. Uh, some who think that that is not important, but it is my firm belief that if we care about what's happening at the border, we better care about the root causes and address them. And so that's what I'm doing. Number one, she's so <laughs> arrogant. It's, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Number two, the, the root cause of the problem is your, in your boss's policy. And you were appointed to oversee the border in the United States, not in Europe. So who cares if you've been there? You weren't appointed there. You're not the border czar in the London or whatever. I mean, you're, 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 you're appointed here. It, when, when dumb people try to be glib, it's really painful to watch. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. The arrogance of it is just <laughs> stunning. So one more part of this just knockdown interview here. 18G, roll that. Why not go to the border as well? So you do see the full complexity. Listen, I, I've been to the border before. I will go again. But when I'm in Guatemala, <laughs> dealing with root causes, uh-huh. I think we should have a conversation about what's going on in Guatemala. Yeah, she wasn't in Guatemala. But maybe she was talking about when she was. Uh, who, who knows? I, I don't know. But you couldn't ask her because she would dismiss you like you're a peon. But, yeah, the dismissive arrogance of the, listen, I've been there. Maybe I'll go again. Maybe I won't. It's none of your damn business. I mean, the, the, first of all, anybody who starts a statement would listen. Yeah. It's yeah. so it's condescending. Condescending. Yeah. You know what this smells like, too? This is very reminiscent of uh, Hillary talking about, at this point, what difference does it make? That's the exact attitude of that whole subset of, of Democrats. Those hard, you know, uh, listen, the, listen, the finger pointing, Biden does it, she does it. It's, it's that whole group. They, they look down upon everyone. All right, more news coming up. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B. Could could you imagine being a, assigned to something because you're quote unquote supposedly the best person to deal with it, most qualified person to deal with it? You don't deal with it, you don't go to it, and then when asked about it, you say, "Well, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't." I've been, you know, I. I mean, that level of just um, <laughs> it's pretty stunning, right? Yeah, you haven't been to the border. You were assigned to try to fix the problem. We're told you're the most qualified person on this issue. You're getting asked about it. At least you're getting asked about it. And you give this flippant, arrogant answer like, 
I don't know. Just it's unbelievable they get away with this. Could you just imagine if this was the Trump administration? Well, well, think back to last year when when uh, the president put Mike Pence in charge of the COVID team, right? And he'd get out there, Pence would, and Pence could be up there for an hour or two if he needed to be, and just answer question after question. It, it, it was an admirable job. You know, and compare and contrast the two, she can't even handle one question about, you know, the border. She doesn't know where she is. She's in Mexico. She says, I'm in Guatemala. She's, she, you could tell she's hanging out with Biden. She might be spending more time with him than we think. This that, is, that, that cup of stupid is, is um, rubbing off on her. This yeah, I mean, she, they have lunch together every day. <laughs> it's, it's clear because she has no idea where she is either. And by the way, if she's having a conversation with the uh, Guatemalan president, I believe what she's hearing from him is the reason this is happening is because of your policies. So if she's serious about having a conversation in Guatemala while she's in Guatemala, when she's really not in Guatemala, well, what's her response to the, to the Guatemalan president saying, well, yeah, you guys are part of the reason this is happening is because of your policies. Does she, is, are we going to have an open discussion on that? Or is it this is this is all just theater and she doesn't care what the she doesn't care about any of it. Just to take the pictures, roll the video, I'm here, I'm gonna listen, and then it's nothing. Yeah, we'll we'll send them more of your tax money, you know, that they can uh, divide up between themselves and uh, keep their people poor. Good job. And again, this is what I thought today. That this is this is the person who's a a trip down the old stairs from Air Force <laughs> One or a a move to the 25th, Nancy Pelosi, a move to the 25th Amendment away from being the person here. It's just scary. I mean, it's just total incompetence, total weakness on just, it's just scary. The literally, position we're in. Literally a heartbeat away. It's just, just crazy. Um, all right, let's do some more news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? So a woke NB, MSNBC analyst sparks fury after claiming she was disturbed to see dozens of American flags on pickup trucks. Okay, we have this clip. We have this recent clip. recent trip to Long Island. This is, I tweeted this and I said, there's very few things in politics. And I try not to live in an echo chamber on Twitter. I follow as many uh, liberal hosts and liberal Matt, you know, from the Matt Taibbi's of the world to I just I, Chris Hayes from MSNBC. I try to follow as many people as I can just to see because I don't want to live in an echo chamber. I, I, you know, that's what one of the things that I don't like about parlors that much. It's just an echo chamber. For me, Paul is great because I get the news that I'm curious about and some of the things that are a little bit on the fringe that you're not allowed to talk about. So I like it for that. But you're right. Echo chambers are no good. Once you're in an echo chamber, you no longer thinking macro. You're not looking at big picture. You're not challenging your own beliefs. When you stop challenging your own beliefs, you know, you're no longer thinking. And when you're not thinking, you, you know, you can't see it. So uh, I'm with you on that, but so, this is psychotic. Yeah. So when you live in the cesspool of Twitter, I'm bu- in, in- at least in political Twitter, and you're hearing both sides, it's, there's not much that can really make you stop and go, what? But as I tweeted when I shared this today, this left me almost, uh, this left me speechless. It got to the end of the clip, and I, I literally just went, what? And this is why. Roll it, G. I think this is another area where Democrats really need to get serious about talking about what this threat is. 
Uh, I think you said it really well, Joe, a minute ago, where you talked about uh, the need to stop being surprised by all of this uh, and start taking it seriously. You know, it, it's really concerning to me that the Democrats haven't just gone ahead at this point and said we're doing this on our own in terms of uh, getting a commission together uh, to explain to the American people how we allowed the insurrection to take place in the Capitol. I think that really needs to move forward swiftly. Um, you know, the reality is here that uh, we have a large percentage of the American population. I don't know how big it is, but we have tens of millions of Trump voters who uh, continue to believe that their rights as citizens are under threat by simple virtue of having to share the democracy with others. Um, I think that as long as they see Americanness as the same as one with whiteness, this is going to continue. We have to figure out so how sad. to get every American a place at the table in this democracy, but how to separate Americanness, America, from whiteness. Until we can confront that and talk about that, this is really going to continue. I was on Long Island this weekend uh, visiting a really dear friend, and I was really disturbed. I saw you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden uh, on the back of them, uh, Trump flags, and in some cases just dozens of American flags, which you know uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear: it was this is my country, this is not your yeah. country. I own this, <laughs> and so until we're ready to have that conversation. This is going to continue. What really is concerning to me as well is it's it's not just Democrats in Congress. I think there's a large percentage of Americans, even some of my colleagues uh, in journalism, who are invested in some way in pretending that this isn't the threat that it is. That is the real concern. Because, you know, the Trump voters who are not going to get on board with democracy, they're a minority. You can marginalize them long term. But if we don't take the threat seriously, then I think we're all in really bad shape. <laughs> no pushback either. No pushback. They just sat pushback. there. Pushback. Mika Brzezinski agrees with her. They pushback. just yeah. sat pushback. there like What are you talking about pushback? That was, sheep. That, that was woke porn to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? You kidding me? Pushback. There's no... You got to hear Mika's response. Mika was like, you know, like so sympathetic saying something to the effect of... The, the, we'll fix it. We're gonna we're gonna change this. We'll change this world. Something to that effect. Like it's. Just, I cut it's out. Crazy. I cut it out because it it cut her off mid sentence. But she did say, "Yeah, I totally agree." Yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, not that, that's. I don't. I don't even. You know. I heard Victor Davis Hanson said, "You know, it gets to the point where when everything's racist and nothing, you know, nothing's really racist. It's just. It, it is to the point." It was really disturbing to see on Memorial Day weekend to see so many American flags on on the back of trucks. When when people start what what she, she said when people start stop associating uh, um, the America with the with their whiteness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all race. It's all race. This this flag says this country's mine, not yours. What? Yeah. Now, compare, what? compare what? and contrast that to what the, the lieutenant governor of North Carolina said at the top of the show about how we are all Americans. But 
He he didn't designate by color. He didn't say, you know, African-American, this American. He said Americans. Meanwhile, she is all about, well, it's this whiteness that's the problem. America is the problem. Well, we invite you to go somewhere else that maybe doesn't fly our flag. See how they treat you. The backlash on social media to everywhere this was, she took a beating for being completely, completely unhinged. Well, again, I don't live in an echo chamber, and I can tell you, I specifically went and looked. She took a beating maybe from people on the, uh, from center right and right. She did not take a beating from the left. They, they were so in agreement with her. I saw, I saw pastors from the left. I saw military members on the left saying, just totally accepting of her whole idea of what she expressed there. past the hour live from studio 6b so i just went because we were just talking about this insane interview on msnbc from this mara gray who's a new york times editorial piece and a board member whatever she writes for the editorial and she at the new york times and she's an msnbc contributor she's also by the way if you remember um i believe she was the one when mike bloomberg was running to uh, be the president She's the genius who came up with the idea that um, if he had taken the $500 million he spent on his failed campaign, he, she could have, he could have given a million dollars to every American, <laughs> when in reality, the math worked out to be actually a dollar fifty-three to every American, but she, so whatever. So she's smart is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so good. just a couple things on Twitter, because it, it's, again, you, you common sense, you'd listen to that and think people would be... But it's not the case. So Dave Rubin, I'll just give you a kind of taste of both sides. Dave Rubin said, question for Mar Gray. Dave Rubin, the host of the Rubin Report, uh, said, do you think it's possible that somewhere in America there are some people who are just proud of the American flag and of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the wonderful country we've had for 250 years? So then as you scroll through these responses, you get to things like this. As a military veteran... I completely agree with Mara Gray. It is disturbing. Large American... This is a military veteran. Large American flags on trucks, it's a she, are performative nonsense that are absolutely intended to communicate that America is a conservative white country. It's an intentional signal. She's right. And, I mean, you could just go down the list, and, I mean, there's... Yeah, there's some that, that say... You know the, what you would think, but there's—I'm telling you, there's a lot of there's a lot of people. I saw, I saw Reverend pastors, Reverend Doctor Chuck Curry. The criticism of Mara Gray's take regarding U.S. flags is another example of right-wing cancel culture. It's upsetting to see our flag used alongside Donald Trump flags. What we are witnessing is white Christian nationalism. Well, that's according to who? Reverend Dr. Chuck Curry. And what is his background? Well, I don't know. I'm just... He's probably a raging liberal. Usually they are when they write stuff like that, because they automatically equate it to something that it's not. 
because that's the way they see it. Kind of like this Maragay who only sees the flag as whiteness. She doesn't see the history behind it, everything that it's meant to stand for. All she sees is what she wants to see. She wants to portray it as a symbol of racism, as whiteness. I wonder if she's going to be asked back on Morning Joe tomorrow morning to address Hunter Biden's um, text messages that came out today. Oh, you mean those? (laughs) Yeah, the ones where he's using the N-word to talk to his white attorney. Where he's throwing it down. Yeah. Oh, my God. I wonder if... I I haven't seen those yet. I I wonder if that's working. Okay. I wonder if she's going to get asked back on to address... I wonder if, number one, she has any concerns about that or, or... or if that doesn't register on her concern, if she's only worried about white, um, whatever. I wonder if she's concerned when she sees Joe Biden making a speech in front of an American flag. Does that concern her as well? Or the, or the, or the, what we just got in Tulsa from him about racism and systemic this and racism that, and, and then here's his son. Wow, racist hunter is is trending. So, um, <laughs> you know, you have to wonder these things. Because the hypocrisy runs deep with these people. So, um, all right. So, a couple of things I want to get to. And I'd love to be able to go through this whole column, by the way, because I told you about the mother in uh, Carmel, New York, who we played you her whole speech here. Um, and she showed up tonight to the Board of Ed meeting and she got a standing ovation from about 150 or 200 parents who were in the room now. Of course, there was 20 in there when she gave that speech and none of them stood with her but now they're they're there and she got a rousing standing ovation as she got into the room for the board meeting tonight but thinking of that dennis prager from prager U, it's fantastic has a piece a column today the single best thing americans can do to retake america and he says it's the most frequent question that people pose to me What can we do to fight back against the anti-American destruction of virtually all the country's major institutions? He says, it's what people ask me more than anything else, especially now in this Biden administration. He says, there is an answer. The single best thing Americans can do to counter the left-wing attack on America against our freedoms, its schools, its families, its children, its governmental institutions, sports, its news, its entertainment, its media, its medical establishments, the CIA, the FBI, the State Department, and the military, the best thing you can do is to take your children out of American schools. Other than in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, the vast majority of America's elementary schools, high schools, colleges, universities teach your child or grandchildren almost nothing important. They prematurely sexualize them, thereby robbing them of their innocence and harm them intellectually and morally. They rarely teach them, for example, art or music because they're too busy teaching them race-centered hatred of whites of America, and of America's values. Sending your children to most American schools is playing Russian roulette with their values. But unlike the gun in Russian roulette, which has a bullet in only one of its six chambers, the school's gun holds four or five bullets. In many elementary schools, your child is taught that gender is chosen and that there is no difference between boys and girls. In a growing number of schools, the teachers are told not to call their students boys or girls. 
in Joe, and just to get away from the article for a second, in Joe Biden's budget proposal, we go from calling mothers to birthing individuals. Did you know that, by the way? Yep, birthing individuals. Yes. Uh, they are taught Biden about... say it. They're taught about other sexual um, activities, and many children from first grade on attend Drag Queen Story Hour, wherein an obvious man wearing women's clothing, garnished makeup, and a wig entertains them. Given that all this is well known, the question is, why, w- any, why do any non-left, meaning liberal or conservative, parents send their children to an American school? Well, one reason, maybe the biggest, is that they're in denial. Many parents do not want to know what their children are being taught and the consequence damages uh, that are done to them. They don't really believe school will ruin their child, let alone their child's relationship with them. These parents should speak to any of the millions, and I say yes, millions, of Americans whose children's have contempt for America, for free speech, and for their parents as a result of attending an American college or even high school. I meet parents like this at every speech I give, and I speak to them regularly on my radio show. Ask these parents if they could redo their lives, whether they would keep their child in an American public school. The second reason is they feel they have no choice. If they remove their child from the local public or private school, most private schools are just committed to anti-American indoctrination over education as public schools, what will they do with their child? They often cannot find a local school that does not harm their child. They cannot necessarily even rely on Christian or Jewish schools. Most of them are as woke as uh, the secular schools. If they do find a school that teaches rather than poisons, they may not be able to afford the tuition. The only other option then is to homeschool one's child. The problem is many parents assume this is essentially impossible. For one thing, they assume that one of the parents would have to leave his or her work, which would mean a serious reduction in the family's income. In addition, homeschooling strikes most people as simply too daunting a task, even if they could afford to take it on. Neither fear is entirely justified, says um, Mr. Prager. Uh, It is true that at least at the outset, a working parent may have to cut back from full-time work, and it is true no matter what the family's financial condition, there are challenges to taking one's children out of school and homeschooling them. But given the low intellectual state of most American schools, the damage they do to young children's innocence, and the anti-American, anti-white, anti-Western indoctrination in most schools, if you are a parent of school-aged children, what is your choice, he says. And this just goes on and on. He says, he closes by saying, I'll share this if you want to read the entire thing. He says, the single best thing Americans can do to fight the left-wing destruction of the country is to withdraw from the educational quote-unquote system that is actively, deliberately miseducating them by the tens of millions. If millions of American parents did so, the country would turn around as fast as you could say teachers' unions. If they don't, their children will continue to be used as guinea pigs in the left's sick and dystopian experiment. What do you think about that? I love it, and I've been, you know, I've been toying with the idea for a while about trying to put together a Liberty School, just where it's an online school where you don't need a lot of, you know, you could still keep your kids in your school system because it's so difficult to pull your kids out of the school system. They make it nearly impossible, and then have weekend meetups and the way the Boy Scouts would do things along those lines, but just do it along life skills. Check how to use your check 
tracking account, how to you know, start a fire, how to you know shoot a bow and arrow, how to create a trap, you know, all kinds of little things at life skills that we just don't have anymore. And I just think it'd be great to teach about the Constitution, teach about liberty, teach about real history or, uh, you know, a proud American history as opposed to this, you know, critical race theory and other things that just divide us in and really hurt this country and we're a generation away from no freedom. So uh, it's articles like that that really just keep me, you know, pressing forward and, and discussing it with uh, people I know who could get it done with the curriculum. To go back to the Joe Manchin idea, if you had a if you had one university president somewhere that, again, would maybe stand up and say, no, no, no. Then you could have another one, maybe, or another one. I know it sounds insane that that could even happen, given the state of most colleges and universities and what we're seeing on campuses, as Amy Horowitz does a fantastic job of showing you, and and um, some of these other places that go around. Well, I can't think of the other name of the place we play those videos all the time that go on these college campuses, but even down to elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. It See? sounds good, but what plaus- what's the plausible... How plausible is it for parents? I mean, how plausible is it that you could really do this? Right. It's not very plausible for most people. That's why I think the opposite is true. Um, And that's what, you know, what the woman in upstate New York showed us last week. Tatiana Ibrahim is her name. Is she went right at them. She let them know, you know what? You people can be replaced. You work for me. You work for us, the parents. And, you know, we've seen it uh, in other parts of the country where the school boards are being replaced. That's where it needs to start. Instead of running away from the problem, because it's going to be too, too much to have everybody pull their kids out. It's, it's not realistic. So why not? The system's already there. All we have to do is fix it. Get the bad people out. Put in people that we actually trust. Make sure we know what's going on in these classrooms. And, and if that means having a, a parental board that comes in and says, hey, we're going we're gonna to do spot checks on teaching and see what you guys are putting in front of our kids. Because that's probably the easiest way to correct this problem and scare the ever-living you-know-what out of them. And I, get this stuff out of the schools. I do think you're going to see more and more parents start to take this on directly. Like... Her example, by, by the way, she could end up being the, she could end up being the, the key driver to let's see what happens in the next six months or a year. I mean, like a modern day Rosa Parks standing up against yeah. this kind of nonsense. It all takes is one big, strong voice. And, but every time we see voices like this, we always see them snuffed out. So let's hope that she stays strong. to the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night glad you're in time to do some more sports and here with that's rick Amarati. what's going on pal all right big d playoff action down in the wells fargo center philadelphia sixes are up 97 84 with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter joel Embiid leads all scores with 33 got a little tight there actually the uh hawks went ahead uh 82 81 in the third but the sixes are seem like they're pulling away kevin herter with 20 for the hawks uh leading the uh leading atlanta so sixes need to get that win to even
even up the series 1-1, head down to Atlanta for a game three. And we also have the Clippers visiting the Jazz at the Vivint Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. That game tips just in about 15 minutes. We have NA, NBA, or Major League Baseball, actually. Let's move on right to that. The Braves over to Phillies, 4-3. That's in the top of the fifth. Dodgers, 5-0 over to Pirates, top sixth. Uh, bottom seventh, right now, Orioles all over the Mets, 9-2. Uh, bottom of the seventh, the Brewers lead the Reds, 3-1. Rockies uh, trail the Marlins, 6-2 in the eighth. Rays and Nationals tied at one, top fifth. Astros all over the Red Sox, seven to one. That's in the bottom of the sixth. Tigers, five, one over the Mariners, top six. Giants and Rangers still tied at one, bottom sixth. Uh, and top second, uh, White Blue Jays and White Sox, zero, zero. Top of the fifth, Yankees still trail the Twins, two, nothing. And bottom fifth, Indians, five, nothing over the Cards. Let's go to the NHL. Well, it's all over down in North Carolina, PNC Arena, the Tampa Bay Lightning have moved on with a two to nothing win over the Carolina Hurricanes, winning that series four to one. Andre Vasilevsky with 29 saves in the shutout. Tampa looks like a tough team as they await the winner of the Islanders and Bruins. Uh, the Golden Knights and Avalanche right now, that game at the Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado, uh, just about three quarters of the way through the first period, and it's still zero zero. And speaking of those Bruins, Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy rips refs. Opponent opponent treated like New York Saints. Not the New York Islanders. Wasn't that a lacrosse team, the New York Saints? Yeah. Uh, Scooby Axon, USA Today. Boston Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy ripped the officials after their Game 5 Eastern Conference playoff loss to the New York Islanders, saying the refs are getting tricked into thinking the Islanders don't commit penalties. This is my take on it. We are playing a team that is a very well-respected management and coaching staff, but I think they sell a narrative over there that it's more like the New York Saints, not the New York Islanders, Cassidy said. They play hard and they play the right way, but I feel we are the same way, and the exact calls that get called on us do not get called on them, and I don't know why. The Bruins lost the game 5-4 and trailed the best of seven series, three games to two. Game six is tomorrow night on Long Island. Boston was whistled for four penalties in Game 5, three of which were converted into power play goals by the Islanders. They've done a great job selling that narrative that they are clean, Cassidy said. They play a hard brand of hockey, but they commit as many infractions as we do. Trust me, it's just a matter of calling them. Islanders coach Barry Trotz was asked about Cassidy's comments and didn't have much to say about it. You'll have to ask him about it, Trotz said. Just look where we wound up during the year. We were one of the least penalized teams in the whole league. So I don't know what he means by that. You'll have to ask him. Cassidy was fined $25,000 today for criticizing the officiating after his Game 5 loss to the Islanders. So, yeah, we'll see as things heat up there. But uh, Boston players have been doing a lot of chirping, too, in the press, and uh, they need to get fined as well, Paul. No doubt. I got to be honest with you. They are the dirtiest team. They were one of the most penalized teams on the team. All they, they're fake tough. Fake tough means you take cheap shots. Islanders just play a hard, clean, disciplined, lockdown game, and they relentlessly come at you. I am so tired of hearing about it. They've been the least penalized team over the last three years, the last three playoff series. It's just a typical Trots team. It's all about discipline. It's all about team first. Yep. There's no selfishness on that team. And I just think he's desperate, and he's making a buffoon of himself. He's really, like, He really is making a fool of himself. Yeah, well, Boston's a dirty team. They throw more elbows than Ronzoni. They've had- but uh, <laughs> no question about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you I know, like that. 
Now, That's going to be it. Were you uh, were you prepping that one for a while? You, you... <laughs> no, Big D. You know, okay. SG. I come up with them pretty quick. Uh, okay. Always, yeah, yeah. He's the king of the okay. pun. Hey, <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, Tom Brady goes full speed at the Buccaneers camp after knee surgery. This is from David Lazar, the New York Post. Sometimes it feels like Tom Brady is immortal. <laughs> <laughs> after serious offseason knee surgery, the 43 year old quarterback took the field and went full speed during the Bucks' first day of mandatory minicamp. He looked fine. I had to pull him out a couple of times. Coach Bruce Arians told the media early today that first period. I said, okay, you can have four reps and he kept begging to go back in but the only thing I didn't want him in was on the blitz period where some guys might get around him too quick. Brady was cleared by team doctors to practice and told Aaron's he felt healthy. Now listen to this one guys. The Buccaneers, the first Super Bowl champion in NFL history to bring back every starter will rely on Brady in their request. If he can stay healthy, it will be a big boost. And Buccaneers are going to have a great team again. Imagine 43 years old, and this guy wants to play like a rookie trying to prove himself out of a seventh-round draft pick. He's amazing. Uh, And last but not least, San Jose Sharks to become first NHL team to accept crypto payments. This is from Theo White of New York Post Sports. The San Jose Sharks will become the first NHL team to accept cryptocurrency payments, joining other pro sports teams from the NBA and MLB in embracing digital currency. Beginning at the start of the 2021-22 season, uh, in October, the Sharks will accept cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ether and Dogecoin as payment for ticket suite leases and partnerships. Sharks president Jonathan Becker commented on Twitter. Uh, The ability to use crypto for smaller purchases like individual game passes, merchandise, and concessions will be evaluated over time, Becker said. The Sharks head honcho said that the team could also consider selling additional blockchain-based goods like collectible NFTs, which are becoming very popular, writing, I do think the blockchain will have more of an impact on sports and entertainment than people realize. The Sharks plan to accept crypto payments through the processor BitPay. So a little bit of cryptocurrency creeping into the NHL, Big D. So that's a wrap. It's going to creep into a lot of things, but it's, you know, people like to focus on Bitcoin, but realistically, when you realize Bitcoin is about um, the most appreciating asset over the last 13 years at about 200% a year over year, there's no reason that you'd ever want to use it for any... Why would you ever want to get rid of it? So uh, that's kind of a mis... They kind of misdirect when they do these kind of things. Oh, we're taking bit. Realistically, no one would want to give up their Bitcoin to get tickets <laughs> to go see the San Jose Shark. Now, maybe Dogecoin or even Ethereum. Why would you give it? I don't know why you want to use it. But so I, I get it. It's good for adoption. But I don't. I don't think people are going to be using their Bitcoin to go see the San Jose Sharks. I, I'm in full agreement. To me, well, I see the Bitcoin market going down. If all I see it is an opportunity, is you know, just collect more. Bitcoin, because to me, it is a hedge against inflation, deflationary. But let's just hope it is used for a mass adoption. Maybe the more people who like it, maybe as soon as the FUD stops coming in in droves. Use it for what it's supposed to be, a store of value. That's why I don't get overly excited about, I know the president of um, El Salvador says he's going to send a bill to Congress to hit, I think he's it's yes Congress to to try to make it legal tender, and again I think it's good for adoption, good for these places. But the idea that politicians are going to be saying, "Oh yeah, let's 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 stop the our ability to uh, print money and uh, destroy wealth and keep our power and keep in office," oh yeah, I'm really welcoming of this Bitcoin thing. I think that's somewhat of a stretch. That's going to be that that's just going to automatically in all of these places that have been known to devalue their currency, destroy wealth, overinflation, the, the, the people live in total poverty uh, because of the politicians who stay in power. The idea that, that all of a sudden all these governments are going to change 
and just welcome Bitcoin in where they have no control of it. It's deflationary. They can't create more of it. It's going to bank the unbanked, connect the unconnected. The people are going to have a store of value to keep their money that they can't, wealth can't be taken from them. I don't think it's going to be that easy for some of these places that are talking about it. I know it's good for fodder, but I will, let's, not get, let's not put the, the cart before the horse yet on this adoption. I'm not so sure. But um, we'll see. We'll see, because that's, that's, that's a big deal now in a lot of these places. There's, since he announced it, the president of El Salvador, now you've got three or four others saying that they'll think about it. But we'll have to see what happens. All right, anything else from anybody here before we wrap it up on a Tuesday night? Paul, anything else in news? Quickly? Real quick, a video shows a veteran, um, a Marine veteran rescuing a fallen American flag on the highway on Memorial Day. Pretty cool story. He jumped don't, out of his car in the rain. Don't tell Mara Gray this. Yeah, saved the flag, and uh, you know, it was pretty cool. All right, there's nice. your feel-good story of the night. As always, we salute our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody who defends that flag that bothers Mara Gray so much that you have flying at your house or on your car or on your truck. Uh, thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, though, thank to you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, Wednesday night, 8 p.m., live from Studio 6B right here. We'll see you then.